in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Can't deny I'm a star. You can tell by my walk. I ain't even got him, got him. He just look how I talk. I'm embracing the fake. I'm accepting the hate. If I was a number one, they wouldn't. Welcome in to the preferred walk-ons here on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM, the Blue Box. It has been Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones with you on this Friday afternoon as it is another week and another episode, and we have plenty planned for the show today and a full KCU Sports Saturday coming up this weekend, including Mizzou and West Virginia kicking off tomorrow at 11 a.m. You can hear that live on KCOU with Reed McOwen and Will Nolte. And KCU Sports Saturday starts early tomorrow due to the early kickoff starting at 7 a.m. tomorrow with no huddle. No huddle is going to be on from 7 to 9. So KCOU Sports Saturday all day tomorrow. We're going to get into some Mizzou football. As you just mentioned, they're taking on Wyoming in the home opener tomorrow. We'll talk about that as well as the rest. West Virginia. West Virginia, Ben. I meant West brain Virginia. Cramp. Yeah, that was, that was a brain cramp. It happens. There. It happens. We are early in the season. We're we shaking are. off the rush, we just are. like Mizzou. So, yeah, so we're talking about Mizzou yeah. and talk about the couple of the big college football games around the college football world this week. And then we will have a West Virginia guest joining us at about 4.30, so stay tuned for that. And then also we'll talk some NFL. It is week one, kicked off last night. We'll get some Super Bowl picks as well as some thoughts about the NFL season as that has had a lot of controversy already without many of the games even kicking off. But we will start with Mizzou. Mizzou suffering a disappointing loss last weekend against Wyoming in Laramie losing 37-31 to 31 and a game where they were down 34-17 to 17 and certainly not what they wanted for their season to start. And now they come back home taking on a young West Virginia team here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Yeah, and, and you know, Ben, just like you said, wasn't the best start. W- was not a good start for the Missouri Tigers dropping that first game at Wyoming. Y- you know, it, it just was a terrible situation, I think, overall. Playing a team with like Wyoming who can control the tempo of the game, can control the clock, and that's what they did in the second quarter. And if you think about it, you look at the game, Mizzou really dominated the first, I would say the third and the fourth quarter. The third quarter they had a couple of you know, turnovers, Kelly Bryant interception in the end zone. But the second quarter is really what turned the whole entire game around, and there was three big plays back-to-back-to-back, and that basically sealed the game. I, I Personally, I thought when those three plays happened, I said there's no way Mizzou can come back and win this game. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. And you know what felt so strange is because they played so well they did. in the first couple of drives. I remember when I was watching that game at home with my dad. He looked at the schedule. He's a Texas A&M fan. Missouri's up 14 to nothing and driving perfectly. He's like, wow, I'm really glad that we as in Texas A&M doesn't play Missouri this year. And then they just completely collapsed in the second quarter. Absolutely fell apart. And you know, We've seen a lot in our four years. This is our senior year for every single one of our analysts on our show. We've seen a lot in Mizzou football lore over the past couple of years, but I can't remember a game where there was so much expectations for Missouri football team to be followed by a significant letdown. We've seen so many disappointing games over the years for Missouri, but that one is at the top of my list personally. I would say I would say Purdue our sophomore year was a close is a close second just because of how embarrassing that game was. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the Middle Tennessee one a couple of years yeah, ago as well. Freshman but, year as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that. That certainly was disappointing because, you know, Wyoming really couldn't throw the football. And so Mizzou just had to stop the run, something they did really well last year. But they had struggled with that, and they struggled with turnovers, right? I mean, a couple of fumbles, one that was returned for a touchdown, one that was nearly returned for a touchdown and ended up leading to a field goal at the end of the first half, an interception, and what, and then an offensive pass interference penalty on what could have been a touchdown. A lot of things they did, once again, shot themselves in the foot. And I think that's a continuing theme we've seen throughout the last couple of years is in a lot of their losses. It's not that the other team doesn't play well. They do, but it's also that Mizzou has done a lot to beat themselves. And when you beat yourself, it's hard to win. And one way to beat yourself is by turning the ball over. But I think also the interesting thing too was, you know, Kelly Bryant threw for a career high in passing yards. He threw for 425 yards. I'm pretty sure that was more than Drew Locke even had in any game last year. But Missouri really struggled to run the ball. Larry Roundtree didn't have a very good game. Kelly Bryant didn't run that much himself. Part of that was that they were down in the second half and that led to having to throw the ball more. But still, at the same time, a lot of people thought this was going to be a run-based offense. So I think that's one of the interesting things to see tomorrow against West Virginia 
is what does this offense look like in week two? Do they try to establish the run more often, or is it going to be you know more of an air-out offense than we originally imagined? Well, and Ben, as you, you talked about early on in the game, it was a run offense. Listen to this first drive. Larry Roundtree, Larry Roundtree, Kelly Bryant run, Kelly Bryant run, Larry Roundtree, Tyler Beatty, Larry Round Threw it two times on the first drive and marched it all the way down the field. I believe they did the same thing on the second drive. Because that needs to be this offense. I think it does. I, you know, Kelly Bryant, as you mentioned, throwing for a career high in passing yards, I believe it was 420 or 430, something like that. But that's not this team. That's not that's not Kelly Bryant's game. It's really not. It is. They need to be a quick-tempo offense. They need to run the ball a lot. Kelly Bryant needs to use his legs, protect the football, of course, a little better. But other than that, they don't need to be throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game. That's just not this team. Yeah, I think you're exactly right there. But one thing that's certainly worth noting is I think that Kelly Bryant is the absolute last player or coach to blame for that loss on Saturday. Sure, he had the one unforgivable throw in the red zone, threw across his body into double coverage, and it was intercepted rightfully so. But still, Ben mentioned it, 4-23 to 23 yards, career-high passing. He was he managed the game extremely well. He was confident. He looks like a fifth-year player. He really does. He's poised. He's smart with the football. I still think Missouri fans have a lot to be confident with the play under center moving forward yeah i thought he had a pretty good game i you know again there were some mistakes the you know, barry Odom touched on the one where he threw across his body that led to an interception um certainly on that last drive taking the sack though i think that was the only sack wyoming had the whole game you know wasn't particularly smart enough play he should have thrown the ball away and then you know also on that final play when they had to convert he threw in a triple coverage when he had albert okuwebunam on a on a one-on-one and that, you know, that was a play that probably he would like to have back, you know, not necessarily that it would have worked out, but throwing the triple coverage doesn't usually work. So, yeah, overall, I'd say it was pretty positive. But, you know, heading into tomorrow, I think, you know, you would think they'd be motivated. You'd think they'd want to change some things from last week, especially against a West Virginia team that only ran for 24 yards last week uh, against James Madison in a close win. So, you know, I think Missouri is probably going to want to try to get out to a hot start again, but they, they have to finish, right, because they got to a hot start last week. Yeah, and, you know, something in this game that worried me more than the— I think the offense will be fine. I think they'll find the rhythm. I think Derek Dooley has done a really good job of calling plays and being the offensive coordinator since he came over. What worried me was was the defense and the, the inability to stop the run. Basically, in the second half, they knew what Wyoming was going to do the whole entire second half. They were going to run it right down your throats, and that's exactly what they did. And I didn't get to watch much of the second half, but Ben and me were talking about this. There were a couple times where they would drop back to pass and looked like Missouri had everything covered and they had everything and there was no pressure. And he just got to stand back there and all of a sudden he ran for a first down. And I think those are the ones that kill you. Or it's not those third and longs that they complete via pass. It's those third and longs that the QB runs that you get a little drop in the middle and they're able to get those yardage for first downs. I think that's a great point. You know, the plate calling wasn't terrible. You can pin back a couple of Derek Dooley games in the beginning of his career as offensive coordinator where the plate calling was super questionable. You think back to the Kentucky game last November, specifically for one, but yesterday, I didn't, or sorry, last week, I didn't really think the play calling was that bad. I just think it was a lack of execution. And, you know, Missouri actually was saved with a couple of penalty calls and a couple of close uh, referee reviews in the first half of that game. That game honestly should have been more of a blowout than it was. Wyoming ended up doubling up Missouri at one point, 34 to 17. That was tough, but really the Tigers were fortunate to be in a position where they were even in that game, getting the ball back in the end of the second half. Yeah, certainly, and I think Chase hit on a good point there. You know, oftentimes we've seen those second and eights turn into third and twos, and especially against Wyoming, that w- that was going to be a, a big difference because they, they could run the ball then on third down instead of having to throw it, and Missouri just didn't force them to throw the ball enough. And it's going to be interesting to see now against West Virginia. They have the transfer quarterback, Austin Kendall, from Oklahoma. They like to take deep shots. Neil Brown is known, their new coach coming over from Troy, is known for – in his offensive mind and his offensive strategy. And I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does West Virginia try to run the ball more considering what happened last week against the Missouri defense, or do they try to air it out more like they did last week? And Kendall had a pretty good game against James Madison. This is a rebuilding West Virginia team. I I just think it's going to be an interesting game to see what the strategy is, especially, you know, with West Virginia having so many new players and a new coach, there isn't a lot of tape to go off on them and to see what they may try to bring tomorrow. Yeah, and, and like you said, there, there's not a whole lot of tape working with them. Austin Kendall, I'm not saying he is Will Greer, but he kind of reminds me of Will Greer. He's not going to flash that much with his legs. He's more of a sit-back, your typical pocket passer type thrower. So if Missouri can get him off his spot, I think they'll have a lot of success. Um, you know, Kendall can run, but I, you know, I think it really boils down to how can they stop the pass. And in last week, we didn't even get to see how this new pass. Apparently, you know, there was articles written, um, you know, f- 
for Missouri that their secondary had improved a lot. Ben and me were talking about that on the way over here. We didn't really even get to see that last mm-hmm. week because they didn't throw the ball. So this week, it'll be really a, an actual test to see if that secondary has improved. Well, it's also worth noting Jarvis Ware went down with an injury in right. that game. He's banged up in practice, could go tomorrow. It's uncertain there. But yeah, the secondary, I mean, this was the year where Missouri was supposed to be confident with the secondary that it had coming in. And yet, in the first game, it was the biggest question mark. And the questions for me really were the defensive adjustments because it did not seem like the Tigers, especially defensive coordinator Ryan Walters, adjusted to the Wyoming scheme. I mean, everybody knew showing up that Wyoming was going to run the ball, but it seemed like they were playing the pass, really going for that element of deception. And it seemed like everybody knew it except for the Missouri defensive play callers, which was interesting to see. I think they'll respond better this week. I think the defense will have a much better performance against, as Ben mentioned, a rebuilding West Virginia team. Yeah, certainly interesting. It's the kickoff of five straight games for Missouri at home. They'll take on Southeast Missouri next week, followed by South Carolina, who's had some injuries and losses of their own. They lost to North Carolina last week, and they lose quarterback Jake Bentley, but they have a highly touted freshman in Ryan Holinsky who will take over for the foreseeable future. And then Missouri gets Troy and Ole Miss. So an opportunity in the schedule here with five pretty winnable games at home, and that starts tomorrow against West Virginia. And just a reminder that Missouri Tiger football is back on KCOU as Mizzou looks to rebound against West Virginia. Pre-game starts at 10 a.m. and kickoff is set for 11 a.m. Central right here on KCOU 88.1 FM, KCOU.FM, and streaming on the TuneIn app presented by El Rancho. KCOU is the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other games in college football around the country, a couple big clashes among non-conference games taking place tomorrow. We'll discuss those here on the Preferred Walk-Ons. Make sure to start your week off right by listening to General Emission on KCOU 88.1 FM from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday morning. I think he's wrong, though. You're, it's a you're heartless agreeing move. and disagreeing There's, on the same topic. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing that it wasn't a smart move. I'm just not disagreeing with Anthony Davis's dad either. Once again, that's General Admission from 8 to 9 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM for the latest updates from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. A delicious power breakfast. Great way to start the day. I'm Brandon Anthony. And I'm Keegan Harbin. Make sure to tune in every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to listen to me. And me on our new show, Breakfast of Champions. Here on KCOU Sports, KCOU 88.1 FM. Tune in to Preferred Walk-Ons, a weekly sports talk show updating you on everything Mizzou and professional sports. Chase Phillips, Ben Krakow, and Garrett Jones hit the airwaves at 4 o'clock every Friday with balanced and insightful sports talk. We also bring on a variety of guests in studio and over the phone from Columbia and around the SEC to give national insight and perspective. And when we've had enough, you won't want to miss Get It Off Your Chest, our ending segment where we blast what's driving us crazy in sports over the mid-Missouri airwaves. Join us for year two on KCU in Columbia, worldwide on KCU.FM in the Blue Box and in the TuneIn Radio app. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? KNC Sports. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I... Tune in Tuesday mornings from 8 to 9. KNC Sports Radio to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia Kyle Jones and Cole Tusing talking all things sports One more hit, no time to waste KNC Sports When I get to the bottom I go back to the top of the slide Don't forget, every Saturday this fall is KCOU Sports Saturday. Listen to your favorite KCOU sports shows every Saturday all day long. Catch No Huddle, Mizzou Football, Basketball, and more every Saturday. It's not just Saturday, it's KCOU Sports Saturday kicking off tomorrow with No Huddle at 7 a.m. Josh Neighbors and Jimmy Frouse will be here along with a special guest tomorrow at 7 a.m. So make sure to stay tuned to KCOU all day. Yeah, and Reed McCohen will nolte on the call tomorrow. Uh, pre-game show at 9.30, kickoff at 11. And the other thing I would suggest for our audience, keep an eye on the KCU Sports Twitter page. It's at KCU Sports. We've got a reporter at SEC Nation Media availability right now. Uh, you're going to have some content on our website and our Twitter page with Tim Tebow. 
Um, other panelists, Marcus Spears on SEC Nation. We're going to have a reporter live from their show tomorrow as well. So keep an eye on that. we got some really exciting things going on in the next couple hours. Yep, SEC Nation live from outside of Furrow Field tomorrow morning. I did hear that apparently Tim Tebow said that Mizzou's new weight room was among the top in the nation he's seen. I guess Tim Tebow's all about the weight room these days. But have you any- seen Tim Tebow? What? Have you seen Tim Tebow? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he spends plenty of time there. He yeah. might, have, might have gotten into a workout this afternoon. I don't know. Uh, we'll get to the rest of the college football games now. And just a reminder, at 4.30, we will have a West Virginia guest joining us to preview that game tomorrow. So we will talk some other games around the country. And there are some good ones this week as we head to the second week. And the primetime game tomorrow night, 6.30, number 6 LSU and number 9 Texas from Austin. A clash of two of the biggest programs in college football. And then at 2.30 in the afternoon, also number 12 Texas A&M taking on number 1 Clemson, those are the two real big games tomorrow, but there's still some other sneaky good games. Number 23, Stanford at USC, and number 14, Washington hosting Cal in a couple early Pac-12 matchups. But I think everyone's talking about LSU-Texas and what could be a, you know, it's only week two, but the way college football works, it could be a very deciding game come college football playoff time for the winner or the loser, or both. Well, and the sad thing is between LSU and Texas, I don't think either one of them are winning their conference. I, I really don't. I, you know, I think Alabama will probably come out of the West, and I think, you know, not to sound biased or anything, but I think Oklahoma will win the Big 12. I think they have a much improved team. But as you said, Ben, this time of year, you know, we might not think some of these games have implements on the college football playoff, but they do. If they, you drop, if you win a game like this or you drop a game like this, I mean, it really can set apart your whole entire season to have a game like this. I also think a game that you didn't mention that will be a very good game is Nebraska-Colorado. That's one to watch out for as well. Yeah, for sure. What was the cheesy college football playoff ad a couple years ago where Kirk Street, kind of a general sports snippet where college football is the one sport where every game matters, something to that degree? It's so true. It really is. I mean, it's cheesy, but it's very, very pertinent. That includes week one and week two games. You know, you cannot overlook even these mid-major and FCS opponents because every single game is valuable in your resume, When whether it's, you know, vying for a conference championship, whether it's vying for a highly sought-after bull bid or even the college football playoff t- for the upper echelon of teams. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you never know. If you're an LSU or you're a Texas and you think, okay, if we win this game and we could somehow beat Alabama, you know, if you're LSU, it's Alabama. If it's Texas, you're Oklahoma. One out of two games, if they play, if they do meet it once again in the conference championship, you know, maybe you put yourself in a position to get in the playoff even with that one loss. So yeah, certainly, I think it, it, it's going to be an interesting game. It's an interesting clash of styles. Um, you know, LSU for the longest time loved to just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, but they've changed some of their offense now. They brought in an assistant coach who'd been with the New Orleans Saints. Joe Burrow has really developed as a passer. They are throwing the ball more than ever, as we saw last week, and I think they're playing Georgia Southern or something. But still, it, it, it's a different LSU than what we've expected, but it's still that physical defense against Texas who is going to want to move the ball. They don't, the interesting thing about Texas is they only have one healthy running back really right now, which is an interesting situation. But you know, Texas saw a, maybe a little bit of a preview of what they're going to get tomorrow when they played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl last year. I think it's just an interesting clash of styles. It's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. Can Texas hold up on the lines against you know a pretty big LSU front? Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest biggest question mark is uh, you know the 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 clash of the lines. You know, I'm, I'm trying to trying to catch my thoughts. You know, on what I was what I was thinking, but you know, I really think that this game is really going to boil down to who can, well, not only one as you said, run the ball, Ben, but I also think who can control the clock. You know, I, I think Texas has done a really good job. They've kind of sped up their offense a little more with Sam Ellinger and the rest of the weapons that they have, but they don't have the same weapons they, they did. I believe little Jordan Humphrey graduated. They still have Devin Duvernay. They still have Colin Johnson. That's another matchup I'm, I'm really excited for is Colin Johnson on the outside with these LSU corners, which LSU, you know, as they say, is DBU. And Texas last week wore some shirts, if I'm not correct, that said there's only one DBU. So that's going to be – I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think it's going to be a very physical game. Yeah, Chase, Chase kind of alluded at it there. I'm so excited to see these Texas receivers go up against this LSU secondary Two of the most elite players in college football, Colin Johnson, every single bit of six foot seven on the outside for the Longhorns, and then Grant Delpit at safety for LSU. I think those two are going to bang helmets at a certain point. 
throughout this game. I want to see Ellinger just go right at Grant Delpit. I, I want to see it. You know, it's funny, like, watching ESPN Sports Center yesterday, they had this specific highlight of Sam Ellinger, like, lowering his shoulder versus Oklahoma last year, and his chin strap was, like, up at his mouth or something like that. And the analyst, like, made a point. He's like, oh, you can you can have your chin strap up at your mouth in the Big 12, but you can't do that on Saturday against LSU. Yeah. So I think so, Sam Ellinger is going to have a lot of downhill running, a lot of lowering his shoulder. He gets all the Tim Tebow comparisons. Let's see if he can well, live up to the it's hype. It's kind of like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow does some of that as right. well. Who he, he's a big guy. He'll lower his shoulder. I think it's going to be physical. I think it's going to be, you know, it's probably a game that you. It's probably in the twenties on each side. I think it's probably fair mm-hmm. to say it's not going to. It's not going to be a shootout type game. It's not going to be super low scoring. But I think it's a game that probably comes down to a field goal or two. And it, 27, 24, 27, 21, yeah, something, something like, that. like that. And yeah. it, it's a real toss up game. On the other hand, though, you have A and M and Clemson. They played last year in in. At Texas A&M, Kelly Bryant started that game mm-hmm. and really rallied them actually in the fourth quarter. Trevor Lawrence played some, but now Trevor Lawrence really gets the full game this time. It's at Clemson. You know, I think last year's game was really competitive. It'll be interesting to see what this year's game provides. I think most people expect Clemson to win pretty handedly, but I don't think that Texas A&M necessarily just gets knocked out of the water like Georgia Tech did really quickly. I think they can give them a bit of a fight. The question is, can you sustain that for four quarters against Clemson? And we really have not seen that in a while, especially since Trevor Lawrence took over full-time as the quarterback. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, Garrett, A&M probably should have won that game last year. Realistically, they probably should have won that game. I I didn't get to watch A&M last week, but from everything I'm hearing, this is a very, very quality football team. They said that Kellen Mond has taken that next step into being a role in a leader, had three touchdowns last week. The only thing is, I just don't know how you stop Clemson. I, I really don't, because... Hey, if you want to stop the pass between Trevor Lawrence when he's got T. Higgins and he's got Justin Ross, that's fine. They'll just run the ball with Travis Etienne, who just casually had 205 yards and three touchdowns last week. If you want to stack the box, Trevor Lawrence will go over the top. It's it's a tough matchup. You know, I think offensively, Texas A&M will be fine. I don't think that Clemson defense is as good as they were last year. I, I really don't. I think that's going to be a downfall later in the year when they get an offensive shootout. I think that's going to be a part of it. But if A&M can control that offense, they don't have to stop them, just slow them down enough for their offense to get some points, I think it'll be a good game. That's a great point. And you take a look at both sides of the ball there for both these teams that are strongest units. Clemson lost every single one of their starters on the defensive line. You look at Austin Bryant, uh, Albert Huggins, I should say, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Cleveland Furl all gone from that front four that dominated the Aggies last season. They had more than three sacks last year in that game, just remembering off the top of my head. And then Texas A&M, this offense is better. You lose Travion Williams, who declared for the NFL draft, but the receiving core is back and it's a year older. I'm curious to see how that matchup plays out this year because that's the one thing that stands out to me that's extremely different between these two from last year. Yeah, it's interesting to see, too, if Clemson does get to a hot start, you know, do they if they go up 10 or 14 quickly, how does A&M respond? Are they able to stay in the game or does this get out of hand quickly? I think it's... You know, a game that heavily favors Clemson, but it's going to be an interesting one to watch. And then, as we touched on, those Pac-12 games are interesting, right? JT Daniels goes down for USC. He's out for a while, isn't he? He's out for the season, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think towards ACL. ACL, I believe, yeah. Um, So that's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, a a hot seat year for Clay Helton, taking on a Stanford team that wasn't great last week, but they did enough to beat Northwestern at home. You know, this is going to be an interesting game just because we – once again, don't really know what's going to happen with the Pac-12. Oregon loses last week to Auburn. I think it's going to be an interesting game to see, you know, what what takes place, what happens, you know, because this could go a long way towards determining who plays in that Pac-12 title game, whether that matters for the Pac-12 championship game or not. I mean, not for the Pac-12 championship, for the college football playoff. Probably not, but it's still an interesting game, and I like how the Pac-12 is putting in these early season conference games to test these teams early on, and USC obviously already has a major injury. Well, and and as you mentioned, you know, with the college football playoff, I, I think the Pac-12 only has one team that could possibly make it left, and I, you know, I think Utah is that team. I don't think they're good enough to go to the college football playoff personally, but I think that that loss loss, excuse me, last week by Oregon really just kind of took them out. That was that was a real heartbreaking loss. That They were right there at the end, had a chance to win. And as you mentioned, that Stanford-USC game is good. Cal and Washington is good. You know, Nebraska not technically in the Pac-12, but Nebraska-Colorado, that's an old rivalry in the Big 12. Um, I think that's going to be a really, really good matchup, personally. I think that'll be one of the games of the week that people nobody's talking about. And I also think an interesting matchup, like, uh, you know, as I mentioned last week with Justin Fields and Florida Atlantic, an interesting matchup, Army and Michigan. I think that could be interesting because just the way Army can control the clock and control the game. Yeah, Army really struggled last week with Rice. I think it was 14-7. to 7, But, yeah, certainly coming off last year, 
people thought that Army could give them a game. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. I, I But, yeah, you're right. I mean, we saw it with Oklahoma, I think it was last year, right? right. Army does have a different style. It's the, the triple option is always a little bit different, the way they control the ball. But, on the other hand, if Army gets down, it's really hard for them to come back. So it, it, it kind of has to be this one style for it to work, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, that game was a lot more attractive looking at it from the offseason coming into this year than it is after week one, after seeing both those teams play, to be honest. But you know, you never know. We saw Appalachian State. We just had the anniversary of the 12-year upset um, when they took down Michigan in the big house. Army hoping for some similar mojo there. Kelvin Hopkins really strong under center. Darnell Woolfolk, one of the best backs that nobody talks about nationwide. Still excited to watch that game. And I hope it's close early on because I think if it's close early, if Army can keep them at bay in the first and second quarter, it'll be close throughout. Well, and then a couple more interesting ones, too. You look at Syracuse and Maryland. Syracuse is a ranked team. They're playing Clemson at home next week, and I think will probably be the game day game. It's a big game for them. But Maryland's actually a home favorite. Uh, against Syracuse, which is a little odd. You don't see that very often, a ranked team on the road as an underdog. But that's going to be a close game. It could go a long way for Syracuse because if they win that game, that gives them a lot of momentum going into Clemson next week. Remember, Clemson a couple years ago lost at Syracuse against a you know a team that wasn't nearly as good as the one they have this year in Syracuse. And well, they, Kelly Bryant got, Kelly hurt, Bryan got hurt in that game. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is correct. And that was before they had Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, yeah, that, that should be an interesting one. And then Cincinnati at Ohio State. Remember, Cincinnati, I think, won 11 games last year. They beat UCLA week one. Luke Fickle is the coach of Cincinnati. He's a hot young coach. He was a player at Ohio State. He was a longtime coach there. He was the interim coach for a while after Jim Trestle and then left Ohio State to take that job at Cincinnati. So there's going to be obviously a lot of emotion in that game. And Cincinnati's a good team. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily beat Ohio State, but I think that could be a closer game than some people think because Cincinnati is – probably the best team in the American Conference this year. Yeah. and Maybe uh, UCF, but... And I'll get to the Cincinnati game real quick in a second, but Maryland, I think Maryland is a sneaky good team. Yep. They have a very good quarterback in Josh Jackson who showed that last week. And Antonio McFarland, I think, is, I think he is not being used as well in college, but I think he hits the pros. I think he could be Kareem Hunt on the field. You know, I think he could be that good. I, I think he's one of those guys that just kind of flies under the radar, but is just an absolute tear. I believe against Ohio State last year, he ran for... I believe it was 230-something yards and four or five touchdowns. I mean, he's just an absolute stud. Yeah, that's that's a great point, too. You know, Maryland, I like the way you put that chase. Very sneaky good. I'm actually picking them to win this game. Not not a knock on Syracuse at all. They're a great football team. Ten-win season and a bowl win last year. But I still think Maryland gets that early season upset. you got to pick one upset, right, from the yeah. top 25 matchup. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to Cincinnati, Ohio State, that game is really interesting because those are two in-state rivals that barely ever play each other. So there's going to be a lot of animosity on both sides of the ball. Desmond Ritter is a really good quarterback for Cincinnati. I'm curious to see how they control the game going into the horseshoe. That's another early game to keep an eye on. Yeah, and then it's interesting, too, looking at Auburn and Oregon playing last week and Auburn winning. Now Auburn comes home and plays Tulane, sort of a sneaky team that is off to a bit of a hot start. A lot of people think could have a good year this year. How does Auburn respond after off that big win? Bo Nix leading the fourth quarter comeback in his first start as a true freshman. And then Oregon takes on Nevada, a team that beat Purdue at home last week. So that's an interesting game as well is see how those two teams respond following the game last week. All right, when we come back, we are going to be joined by a special guest joining us to cover West Virginia it is going to be Jared Sari joining us next here on the Preferred Walk-Ons.
If you answered yes, make sure to tune in each and every Friday to listen to Mid-Missouri's premier sports talk show, The Hot Corner. From 8 to 9 a.m., tune in on KCOU 88.1 FM or kcou.fm. Preferred Walk-Ons, Mizzou's most insightful sports talk from your favorite bench warmers, is now available to listen anytime, anywhere. After every Friday's show with Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones, we post a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor Podcast app, and anywhere else you get podcasts. We're also on Twitter, at KCOU Walk-Ons. End your week with Preferred Walk-Ons, a part of KCOU Sports, and now streaming. into the preferred walk-ons here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips, and Garrett Jones. And we are pleased to now be joined by Jared Sari. He covers the West Virginia Athletic Program for the Daily Athenium. He's the sports editor over there. That's West Virginia's independent student news source. And Jared, thank you for joining us. Uh, glad to have you on the program today as Missouri set to take on West Virginia tomorrow at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 Eastern. And it's a lot of new for West Virginia this year. A new coach in Neil Brown, a new quarterback in Austin Kendall. Saw a little bit of it last week against James Madison. What do you expect going forward from this new look West Virginia team? Hopefully we get the ball going, moving down the field in the first half. You know, Austin Kendall, we were all, a lot of people around here were impressed to see what he could do, you know, now that he's in a starting role and he struggled in the first half and same thing just with the run game in general. It was a hard time for uh, offensive coordinator Matt Moore getting that going off the ground. So what we're looking for in this first game, I'm sure everybody wants to see the offense really. I don't know how to put it. They want to see the offense. They want to see the offense that they should see for the rest of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, Jared, this is Chase with the preferred walk-ons. Once again, thanks for joining us. And you know, last week with the, with the West Virginia offense, you, you know, you, like you said, the first half was kind of slow. They still ended up throwing for 260 yards. Austin Kendall did, but I believe you know the running game it really seemed to struggle. And you know, I'd be curious to see how West Virginia attacks this Missouri defense after Missouri giving up 297 yards to Wyoming next or this past week. Excuse me. Yeah, definitely. We. Um we talked in the uh, in the press box a lot, you know. We kept expecting the run total, the run yard total, to be a lot higher. And I think I think it ended at around 43. You know, West Virginia's got at least three healthy guys that last year got a, a large amount of snaps running the ball in front of the backfield. So it's just interesting to see, you know, where where were the issues from last year to uh, week one. So. It'll be interesting to see against, like you said, against the Missouri defense, how that shapes up. Hey there, this is Garrett on the boards. Thanks so much for joining us again this afternoon. What's one, obviously so much change between offense and defense for West Virginia in the past season. What do you think is the one thing that they're missing the most when comparing last year to this year? Uh, I think it's the run game, like we've just been talking about. You know, last year watching the team, I was impressed by Kennedy McCoy by Martel Petaway, who are two of our two of our leading rushers last year and this year. I mean, I understand that it's been one game, but when your entire running back room totals about less than 50 yards, it's not a good look. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting when you look at Austin Kendall, a lot of hype, I guess, surrounded him once he entered the transfer portal. He never really got a chance to play much at Oklahoma. You mentioned he struggled a little bit early in this game, but Neil Brown's known for loving to take those deep shots, trying to stretch the field. Do you think as Austin Kendall gets more and more comfortable in this offense, we will see more of that going forward from this West Virginia offense? Oh, no doubt. That was one of the things that Coach Brown had talked about in his press conference, that they needed to improve the deep ball. You know, it's hard for them because, you know, Kendall is a transfer. Um, Sean Ryan is a transfer. Um, you know, it, they've just got they got to build that chemistry properly. And, I mean, week one, it seemed to look okay in the second half. So 
we'll see how that goes as this as the season goes on. It was interesting. I read in Neil Brown's comments he was really critical of the offensive line and some of the blocking schemes that they had in that game. Why, out of everything in that game, do you think you know, for someone who was there and, and saw it, the, that he was choosing to call the offensive line out over everyone else? I think probably because he knows they could take it. Our, our off our group on the offensive line, they're a great group of guys. Colton McKivitz, our left tackle, he he's probably an NFL prospect. He didn't. Uh, Coach Brown mentioned that he didn't miss any assignments last week. But, I mean, they've still been going through some rotations, especially at uh, the right guard spot. Um, and then our, the starting center was our starting left guard last year. So, I mean, they're still working through some things, but they're they're a great group of guys. They can they can take it. Yeah, and Jared, I, I've always been a, a big Oklahoma fan, you know, beside of my Mizzou football fandom as an Oklahoma football fan. And Austin Kendall was always that guy that – it just seemed like he could take the next step, and he just never did take that next step. And, and you know, not to say that he won't take that next step this year or whatever, but the last, you know, last week there for a while just kind of looked like, oh, this is the same Austin Kendall that everyone is used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, to a point. I mean, a lot of a lot of people around here in Morgantown are very excited about you know Austin Kendall, that Lincoln Riley thing about you know. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray won Heisman's, so he he should know, Austin Kendall should know what he's doing. And, you know, that's the hard thing of a week one is, you know, I was talking to a lot of the guys after the game and they had said, you know, it's just so nice to be able to get this first game over with because now, now everything's just another game to them. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Do you have an overall prediction for the season? Obviously, you know, ma- making the bowl game down in Orlando last season, still very competitive in the Big 12. It seems like it's a significant step down this season just when you evaluate the amount of talent that walked out the door. If you could put right now, at this point in the season, headed into week two, a win-loss projection on West Virginia, what would that be? For the season, uh, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I'll say that first. I hope I'm wrong because it's so much more fun and easier to cover a team that wins games, but I see us hovering around 500, whether that be five and seven, six and six, seven and five, somewhere around there. I just, we've just, we're just so young on both sides of the ball. It's hard for me to, to put much confidence in that. I'm interested in just overall when you talk about that, and obviously it's, it's a tough schedule this year. You got Missouri this week. You have North Carolina State at home next week, and plus the whole Big 12 schedule. But those, there were so many of those good West Virginia teams the last few years under Daniel Holgerson, Will Greer, David Sills, all those guys they had, Gary Jennings. In your opinion, is there a little bit of disappointment there that maybe that group didn't achieve more? I mean, they were right on the cusp for all those years, and, they, and obviously they had a big win, I think, last year in Austin and Texas, but they just never could quite get to the top of the Big 12 like maybe they had hoped. Yeah, not to you know kick a man while he's down since Houston just lost to Oklahoma last week, but a lot of people around here, they pin that mostly on Dana Holgerson about how last year was a perfect example about how he had all this talent and they never did anything. And even uh, his first year in town, I mean, it, it was, they, they were, I'm sorry, they did well, but they weren't the players that Dana Holgerson had recruited. So it is a sense of anger, of upset that they didn't do as well. But now in turn with bringing in Neil Brown, I, you know, I'm from Cleveland. So I, I'm a big Browns fan. I know all about, you know, new head coaches and all that. I've never seen so much excitement around a head football coach as I have with Neil Brown. Well, Jared, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. You can follow him on Twitter at Jared Seri, and we look forward to reading your coverage this week and throughout the year. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. That's Jared Seri joining us here on the Preferred Walk-Ons when we come up. Next, we'll have a little bit of NFL talk as we head to the final part of our show here on KCOU. Together, one big late night radio sandwich. Listen to Quarter Circle Backboard. 
a show in which your boy Chris Mitchell brings you the latest and hottest in sports news that you like and video game news that I like every Friday night at 11 p.m. on KCOU. I talk about everything from football to basketball to Street Fighter to Fallout to you name it. Is the worst thing up past your bedtime? Tune in and find out. Make sure to start your week off right by listening to General Emission on KCOU 88.1 FM from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every Monday morning. I think he's wrong, though. You're, it's a you're heartless agreeing move. and disagreeing There's, on the same topic. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing that it wasn't a smart move. I'm just not disagreeing with Anthony Davis's dad either. Once again, that's General Admission from 8 to 9 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM for the latest updates from the MLB, NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. to MLB. Join me, Taylor Renee. And me, Emma Hayes. As we discuss all things baseball on KCOU Sports, first and exclusively female talk show, A League of Their Own. Tune in every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia or online at KCOU.FM. Tune into Undrafted for the best sports talk of the week. Catch Parker Reed. I'm an above-average Packers fan. But the Bills are a very bad team. I, they are utter trash. And Turner Klingenmeyer. Definitely draft stuck up. I'm going with coffee tables. But that Bears defense. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Only on KCOU 88.1 FM. Sundays at 9 a.m., it's the weekly walkthrough. Tune in to KCOU 88.1 FM to hear Ethan Salm and Nick Catlin recap everything that happened in the world of sports this week. Start your Sunday off right with the weekly walkthrough. Follow us on Twitter at Weekly Walk KCOU for updates on the show. And remember to tune in to KCOU 88.1 at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Looking for live music for your event? Look no further than KCOU 88.1 FM. Whether it be an event for your student organization, local business, or even a private party, let KCOU's trained DJs provide the jams. Our DJs work with you to craft the right playlist for your event at an affordable price. For more information, contact Nash Walker at business at kcou.fm. That's business at kcou.fm. Welcome back into the preferred walk-ons here on KCOU 88.1 FM and KCOU.FM, the blue box and the tune in app. Ben Krakow, Chase Phillips and Garrett Jones. A reminder to check out our podcast on Spotify. If you miss any part of our show, including Jared Sari, who just joined us, he covers the West Virginia football team over at the local newspaper, student newspaper there at West Virginia. And he was great to join us and give us some insight on the matchup tomorrow from the West Virginia perspective. But now we're going to shift gears a little bit and we are going to talk a little bit about the NFL as it is week one in the NFL. Season kicked off last night on the 150, I believe 150th anniversary. Is that correct? Or is it a hundred? It was a hundredth and hundred hundredth of the NFL, 150th of the college football history. Yep. That's right. I mixed yep. that up there. hundredth uh, anniversary, which included Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth and Michelle Tafoya dressed up in old, time close that was a little strange but the Packers <laughs> that was and, awful it was it was a little weird but the back, Packers and Bears kicked off and speaking of awful it was a pretty awful game the Packers won 10 to 3 nothing happened it was <laughs> it was it was bad it wasn't a lot of fun there's a lot of Bears fans here in this area who wanted to see stuff from the Bears and good stuff from the Bears and there there was not wanted much to, wanted to see stuff is actually better than good stuff because they just wanted to see something they wanted happen. to see something and there was very very little but that's just one game. There's a lot more games to come starting with this week. And I guess we'll start with Super Bowl predictions. It's always a tough task. What do you? I'm pretty sure Chase and I both picked the the Vikings <laughs> over the Patriots last year. Vikings didn't make the playoffs. Vikings didn't make the playoffs. Um, but uh, we'll start with you, Garrett. What do you have for a Super Bowl prediction for or, this year? Or do we, do we quickly want to do our division winners and then we'll go Super Bowl picks? 
Do we want to do division winners? Yeah, as well? let's division, do division, division winners. winners. All right, well, why don't, why don't you run us through your division, Garrett, and then uh, give us your Super Bowl picks. I put literally zero thought into this prior, so you are getting raw, unadulterated oh, NFL picks right now. All right, I'll start with the AFC West just because there's a clear-cut favorite. I think the Kansas City Chiefs take that one. Um, in the AFC North, I'm actually going to go with Pittsburgh. I still think that their season, I think that's like a 10-6 and six division title, maybe like an 11-5 and five one. I'm not sold on the Browns hype yet. Sorry to my brother Logan if you're listening. I'm not exactly sold yet. I still think that Pittsburgh's got the experience there, and finally they've got drama out the door, so I think that they can win that. AFC East, no question, it's New England. Um, AFC South, I'm going with New Orleans. I still think no, that Drew Brees... That's the NFC, NFC South. NFC South, South. My, my, my mistake. I apologize for that. AFC South, I'm that, that division is wide open, and I'm sure you guys are going to have lots to say about that. I'm just going to roll with the Texans for now. Uh, they made the playoffs last year. I think that they can take it again under Deshaun Watson. NFC South, I'm rolling with New Orleans. I still think that... Drew Brees has one more swan song under him. I think the NFC West goes to the LA Rams, and I think that the NFC East goes to Philadelphia. I realize that's almost exactly carbon copy of what we saw last year, which you almost never see in the NFL. But frankly, I just can't really see it breaking any other way than the And what about six. the North? Oh, sorry, NFC North. I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think that Chicago's extremely overrated. <laughs> I think you saw that last wow. night. Wow. I, I, I really, I mean, like, give, Garrett, give Aaron Rodgers the ball and let him go 10 and 6. That's exactly what I think is going to happen out of the NFC North. All right, Chase, you want to go next or you want me to go next? Uh, I can go next. That's All right. fine. That's no problem. Um, I'll start in the AFC East. Uh, like Garrett said, I think I think it is the Patriots. Um, you know, I, I think everyone will probably pick the Patriots to win that division. I think it'll be a much improved division, though. I, I think the Bills and Jets will give them, you know, more of a challenge this year. You don't, um, you don't, you don't think the Dolphins will give them a run for their no, money? No. If the Dolphins win three games, they had a good year. Uh, to the AFC North, I'm going to pick Cleveland, um, you know, just to not be biased to the Steelers or anything. I'm going to take Cleveland. I think they do have a very good team. I think Baltimore is also very good in that division. As you mentioned, Garrett, I think that is a 10 and six division. I think that's a division where you could have three teams in between nine and five or nine and seven and 10 and six, excuse me. And the AFC South, I'm going to roll with the Jaguars. I, I like that they have Nick Foles. And the fact that I like that they have Nick Foles is they don't have Blake Bortles. And the fact they don't have Blake Bortles means this team will be a lot, lot better. I love that defense. That defense is going to be very, very hard to stop. Um, in the West, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. As you, you mentioned, I think this is a, you know, hint, hint, wink, wink. This is going to be who I have in the Super Bowl. I, I think they are a very, very talented team. You know, as, as long as they can keep everybody healthy, they're going to be very hard to stop. Um, in the NFC East, I'm going to take the Cowboys to win the division. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, as Garrett's giving me a face over here, you know, I think the Cowboys are a very solid team overall. I don't think there's many teams that have what they have. And, you know, you think about the great teams in the NFL. What do they have? A solid running game, a quarterback who is a, I'm going to say he's a game manager, but he manages the game very, very well. They have an elite pass rusher. They added another elite pass rusher who they'll get, you know, in a couple weeks. They have two of the best linebackers in the NFL, and they have an all-star safety. To me, you can't really beat anything other than that. So that's why I'm picking the Cowboys to win the division. In the NFC North, I'm gonna t I'm gonna disagree with Garrett, and I think the Bears are not very overrated. I think Matt Nagy called a very terrible game yeah. last night. I, I I don't think that the game can be blamed as much on Mr. Trubisky as it was Matt Nagy. And so I'm gonna take the Bears to win that division. In the NFC South, I, I think it is New Orleans. Um, I think Atlanta could give them could give them a challenge. I think Carolina is going to be much improved too. I think Cam Newton is a lot healthier this year, but I'll go ahead and take New Orleans. And then in the West, um, in the West, I'm going to stick with the Rams simply because I don't have any faith in the 49ers or the Seahawks or the Cardinals for that fact. But I think the Rams will win that division. All right. For me, I'm I also going to go with New England. Shocker there. I think they win that division easily once again this year. And the North, I think you guys already talked about it. I think. In the AFC, it's going to be close. It's going to be one of those that probably comes down to the final game or two. I'm actually going to pick the third different team. I'm going to go Baltimore. I think the second year under Lamar Jackson will be better. His real full time as the quarterback now. If he, can, the if he can stay healthy, yeah, that's the biggest thing. But I think their defense is really good. But again, I think that's going to be a tight division outside of the Bengals. The South, once again, yeah, it's a complete toss up with Andrew Luck being out now. Maybe the Colts re rebound with Jacoby Brissett, but we just don't know that yet. We need to see more from him. I'm also going with what Chase picked. I, I like the Jaguars. I think Nick Foles will bring some stability to the quarterback position there, and they still have that defense. Remember, a couple years ago, they were pretty close to the Super Bowl. They were a quarter away. Yeah, I mean, they, they beat Pittsburgh, and they had New England on the ropes. Um, I think any one of those four teams could win the South. I, I truly like. I, I truly think so. I think yeah, I mean, between Tennessee and Indianapolis, Jacksonville, I think any one. Yeah, I mean, there's question marks on all four of those teams. I think in, in the West, I, I once again 
as you guys said, we'll pick the Chiefs. I think the Chargers, if Derwin James was healthy the entire year, which he's not, and they had Melvin Gordon, which they don't, he's still holding out, could give them a bit of a run. But those two guys being out, they, you know, they do get Hunter Henry back. They still have a lot of pieces there. I think they could certainly be a wild card team. I just don't think they're going to be a, have enough to measure up against the Chiefs. And the NFC, I think the East is going to come down to the Cowboys and Eagles. I have the Cowboys as a slight favorite right now, but I think those are definitely the two top teams right there across the board. I think they're the most solid teams. Giants and Redskins both rebuilding a little bit with young quarterbacks and Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. In the North, I think that's another division that's a toss-up. Uh, we, You guys touched on it. The Bears didn't look all that good on offense last night. They looked really good on defense. The Packers, do they have enough weapons to surround Aaron Rodgers? I think that's still a question mark. Then you talk about the Vikings, who I actually think could definitely win the division. I think they're my pick right now. I'm still sticking with them. I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they have some pieces there. I think anytime your receiving core is led by Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, that helps. I think health, having a healthy Dalvin Cook, which is still up in the air, we'll see if he can stay healthy. I think he could be a big difference for them in the run game. And then I think the Lions, too, if Matthew Stafford stays healthy, and Matthew Stafford plays all the time, but he's not always healthy. If he stays healthy... With some of the pieces, Matt Patricia's a good defensive coach. I think the Lions could have a solid year and, and contend for a wild card spot. Should, should be much improved on yeah, defense I, as well. I think, I think all four of those teams have a chance at the playoffs this year. And then the South is another interesting one, as you touched on. I think the Saints will win the division, but I do think that the Falcons and Panthers will be right in the wild card mix. And then, I, yeah, I think the Rams win the, the West pretty easily. Seattle's a solid team. I, I think there's still a lot of question marks in San Francisco as well as Arizona. It's going to be interesting to watch with Kyler Murray and and. Cliff Kingsbury and how the quarterback-coach tandem works, but the, the rest of that roster is just not very good. So I think our, our picks were pretty similar, and you guys have Super Bowl picks now. Garrett, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to pick one in the hope that I speak it into existence because I think this would just be an objectively fun game to watch. I'm going to go with New Orleans versus Kansas City. Give me Drew Brees going for it one last time. That could be the last game of his career if it ends up going New Orleans way. And just give me as much Patrick Mahomes as you can get. He's so fun to watch. Can't wait to watch him another full season this year and hope to see him competing for a Super Bowl title. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I may I may stun some people here. I already said that Kansas City is my team in the AFC uh, I'm gonna roll with the Cowboys in the NFC, man. I am. I'm a, as much as I and I, you know, I hate using the word hate. I hate the Dallas Cowboys, but they have everything that a Super Bowl contender needs. I mean, think about things that they don't have. Let's let's hear some of the things they don't have. They are you can't name anything. They have arguably the best line in football. I think you know it's them and Pittsburgh and you know, there's a couple other teams, but I think them and Pittsburgh are the two best lines. They have Zeke, who and Zeke is gonna be a happy Zeke the whole year. And they're going to keep running the ball behind that great line. Dak Prescott doesn't need to be good. He doesn't. He needs to be, eh. And they still have Amari Cooper. They're correct. They have Amari Cooper. They have Randall Cobb. And then I think Michael Gallup is also a really underrated wide receiver. I think he'll be very good. And I think Jason Witten is going to make more of an impact than a lot of people think. I'm telling you, good defense and a great running game. I'm going with the Cowboys. Also a second-place schedule. Yeah. And so I, I, it sets up nice for him, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting the Cowboys have a first place. Like first place. They, they won, won the division, division last year. I apologize. I we, we are all shaking off the rust here. <laughs> I, I, I do apologize that. for that. Yeah, you, you realize Chase. The Cowboys haven't made a, a championship game since 1996. I, believe, hey, I right? said it was bold. 95. 95. 95. 96. It may have technically been 96 by the year, but it was the 95 yeah, season. I said it was bold, Ben. And it was bold. Uh, I, I I like the Chiefs as well. I think they are the best team in the AFC. But obviously, you can't count out New England because you can never count out New England. But I think the Chiefs are the best team with Mahomes, assuming he stays healthy and the pieces there they have, I think, are, are going to be exciting to watch. And then I, I thought it was sort of a toss-up in the NFC. I think there's a lot of teams that could make it. I thought about New Orleans. I'm going to go with the Rams. I, I think that would be a, another really fun matchup. And I think the Rams, especially Sean McVay, will have learned a lot from last year and what happened in that Super Bowl. They were young. I think they've lost some pieces on that offensive line. But I think coming back, assuming Todd Gurley can stay healthy, they added Daryl Henderson at running back. Assuming Cooper Cup comes back to full health, along with Robert Woods, and Jared Goff continues to improve, I think the Rams can get back to the Super Bowl this year. I think I like the Chiefs actually in the Super Bowl. I, I think the Chiefs, you know, if Mahomes is what he was last year, or at least close to it, I think he is such a difference maker that it, it just he's the best player in the league. And I, I think you often are picking the best player in the league, and we'll see what happens. And I think. They this only year. added more weapons to help them out. Yeah, and I think I think this year should be fun because you can legitimately pick seven or eight teams, maybe even closer to ten, that you think could go to the Super Bowl. I don't think it's as obvious. You know, the Chiefs seem to be a popular pick, but 
you can certainly make the case for New Orleans like Garrett did, Dallas, Philadelphia, New England, um, maybe not as many in the AFC as there are in the NFC, but I think there, there, there are a bunch of teams that could potentially get to the Super Bowl at some point this yeah, year. And I was listening to Adam Scheffler, and he said this is the first time in about 10 years that there has been the most parity in the league. He said there is only he, – he said there is only one really truly bad team in the NFL right now. And he said it was Miami, and he said Miami knows they're in a rebuild mode, and they're fine with that. That's why they traded Laramie Tunsil. That's why they're just stocking up these draft picks and why Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting a quarterback. But he said other than that, if you really look at it, there's not really any bad teams. There's, of course, better teams, but there's not any bad teams. So I think it should be a really fun year in the NFL. Yeah, I think it should be a great year. I think there's a lot to see throughout the league at, starting this week, and it, it's always entertaining, as we've seen with the Antonio Brown and the Zeke and Melvin yeah, Gordon. Talk about that clown. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot that goes on off the field in addition to what goes on the field, and uh, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a good year for the NFL, and hopefully we get some better games this weekend than we saw last night. Yep. All right, we'll finish it off with Get It Off Your Chest. Garrett, we'll start with you. Anything really grinding your gears uh, today? Mine's like just a kind of a blanket thing, and I don't want to attack anybody specifically, and I know as sports fans we all have the tendency to do this. Ben, this was actually something you brought up in a, in a text message. I don't have a subscription to Power Mizzou. Um, I know you mentioned that you saw people on there trying to sell their tickets, trying to sell their season tickets. I get that that was probably the worst way you could have started that season and losing a game on the road against a mid-major. I totally get that. I just don't get throwing in the towel in the season after one game. I get that it's completely reactionary, and I get that some of those people were posting that within 30 minutes of that loss. But still, Missouri can salvage a fantastic season after a loss like that. I don't think Wyoming gets the credit as how good they're going to be this year. I think that's an eight or nine win team from what I saw on Saturday. I get that Missouri played extremely poorly. I understand the frustration after years of disappointment as a Tiger fan. But Missouri fans, let's watch Saturday's game. Go from there and stick with it the entire season, please. Yeah, and I agree. I, I think after two games, if you want to start saying that and doing that, if they don't play well on Saturday, that's completely your decision. I don't agree with it, but that is your decision. But I think after one game, that is a bit of a stretch. And it's, it's actually oftentimes also the really diehard fans who react that way. Yeah. It's not even the casual fans. It's the ones who are the most attached. Yeah, and they're not actually going to sell their seats, but they react yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to show up the next week anyway. Right, you're correct. All right, Chase, you're up next. Yeah, and so mine is something I've been seeing on Twitter all week, and it just really just absolutely frustrates the heck out of me. And, you know, I follow Matthew Barry on Twitter, and I'm tired of seeing people tweet. And it was earlier in the week, and it was later in the week with Antonio Brown and Zeke, as you mentioned, now Julio. People are tweeting at Matthew Barry, thanks, you're destroying my fantasy team. <laughs> Matthew Barry does not give a crap about your fantasy team. He gives fantasy expert analysis. So by you tweeting at him that your fantasy team is ruined or – really not ruined now probably because AB is going to play and Zeke's here but I mean what what good does that do Matthew Barry literally is just quote tweeting people and just saying sorry because what can Matthew Barry do poor guy like, like <laughs> He, he can't see the future. He can't see the future. He can't say, oh, well, Zeke's going to come back all of a sudden. And it just it really just frustrates me. And people do this with even sports writers like Adam Scheffner who said, you know, A.B. wasn't going to play. Somebody quote tweeted him and goes, oh, well, I traded him. Thanks, Adam. And Adam was just like, well, I didn't tell you to trade him. And, you know, it's just little stuff like that just really frustrates me. Right, and no one me. says to Matthew Barry after they have a good week, oh, thanks for the advice. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. No exactly. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I just knew to start that guy That's in my it. flex spot. I mean, yeah, yeah. that was an obvious It's just thing. one of those that it's just – it's something that doesn't. You don't get any said. credit. You exactly. only get criticism. No, correct. Uh, it's a tough job. Uh, kind of like officiating. Yeah. No. Uh, I think also for me, I, it's not a big one this week, but for me, the whole Antonio Brown thing is just exhausting and tiring, and like I don't even really care anymore. Like it's just it's one of those things. Like let's move on. Let's play football, whether he plays or not. Like I don't care. I, I don't just want to kind of stop hearing about it. Like, yeah, I don't all care what he said or what Mike Mayock said or this or that or this issue or whatever. It's just. Like, I don't even really care about the Raiders, but I just don't care about this story anymore, and it feels like it's just taking over everything. But hopefully, it sounds like he's playing on Monday night. It'll get be over with, and we'll move on. Well, thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next week with another show at this time. Make sure to stay tuned to KCOU Sports Saturday all day tomorrow, starting at 7 a.m. with No Huddle with Josh Neighbors and Jimmy Frouse. And then, of course, 11 a.m. pregame an hour before is Mizzou and West Virginia. It'll be Reed McGowan and Will Nolte on the call from Faroe Field. So make sure to stay tuned for that as part of KCOU Sports Saturday presented by El Rancho. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next week. Baby.